Saints fans, Pelicans fans, let's go. This is the Black and Blue Report. Black. Three is going to go deep. He's got ground. Touchdown. Blue. Down the lane. Shoots. No. Tip follow in for Davis with three tenths of a second left. Welcome into the podcast for the fans, straight from the teams they love. It's good to see you guys, and uh, I didn't know we had Studio B here in our facility. Good setup. Now that I know where your guys' little office is, I can pop in here whenever I want. Well, we're playing through AD, and so everybody's going to have to adjust to that. Coaches, players, analysts, celebrities, and more. That guy's Anthony Mackie. I've gotten in many of our arguments about the Pelicans and the Saints uh, over the years. Harry County Jr. joins us here on the Black and Blue Report. Undoubtedly, to me, the Saints are the singular reason that New Orleans is back on the map. Hoda Kotb from the Today Show on NBC, our guest. You know, New Orleans gets in your blood. The Saints never leave it once they get in there. This is the Black and Blue Report, straight from the source. No appointment radio. Wherever, whenever. Now, from Studio B, or from wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. How goes it? Welcome into the Black and Blue Report, the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. We're changing it up a little bit here on this Tuesday. Daniel Salerson and I have ventured over to our Smoothie King Center studios. We have not been over here, Daniel, since the end of the uh, first round of the playoffs against the Golden State Warriors. Um, the office hasn't changed a whole lot. Actually, it looks it looks a little cleaner. They ran a vacuum. Oh, good. Yeah, that's good. Um, but anyway, it's good to be back here. We are here uh, today to get as close as we can to the Mercedes-Benz Superdome across the street. There is Saints Hall of Fame news, um, and we will share that with you coming up in our next segment uh, in just a moment. Happy birthday, by the way, to... Uh, one of our favorite Saints, Archie Manning, is celebrating today. I'm sure the entire Manning family is doing so. Um, I did not ask Daniel earlier uh, how old Archie is now. I'll leave that up to you to find that out. It's easily found, but uh, I would just say that the esteemed gentleman uh, from Uptown uh, is uh, celebrating today, and we wish him all the very best here from the Black and Blue Report and from the New Orleans Saints. Um, last night was interesting at the Kelly household, to say the least. You know, the Bachelorette... Um, I think debuted last night. Uh, when you work a schedule as I do, between the NFL and the NBA, uh, especially in the early portion of the offseason, I have learned over these years uh, that it would not serve me well to um, trump anyone or demand the remote here in these early evenings of the offseason. So with that being said, my wife and daughter uh, and my mother-in-law, who's in town this week, um, were in charge and chose the bachelorette um so i i as a good family man decided to sit down and try and keep my comments to myself i really couldn't um and so they got a they first of all they, they got really upset with me when i said that they would not find out who the new bachelorette would be last night that the show would end last night since it's a two-part deal and they're choosing between two bachelorettes Am I even saying that right? Anyway, um, that they would not find out before the end of last night's show, that there would be a cliffhanger and they would not find out until tonight. And, and then they got even more upset when I made the prediction that actually we would not be 
uh, eliminating one bachelorette, that there will be two. There will be two. And they say, well, there's no way because the guys are voting and all that. I'm going on way too long about this. And they say, well, there's 25 guys, so you can't have a tie. I said, well, one of these guys is not going to make it to the end of the night. And sure enough, one of the guys involved did not make it to the end of the night, so now there's 24. So I made the bold prediction last night, upsetting all the women in my family. And uh, we'll see if it comes true tonight that actually they will not be eliminating one of the two bachelorette candidates that we will have for the first time, two bachelorettes for this new season. And so after I see my bold prediction come through tonight and do a victory lap around the living room, that will be the end of my bachelorette watching for the coming off season. Um, I probably just wasted three minutes easily of your life and mine by talking about that, but I wanted to share a little, little story. So um, we're going to move on from that and talk about the Saints and the NBA playoffs today. Uh, coming up in our next segment, we're going to take you out to the uh, Saints Hall of Fame golf tournament, which was played yesterday, and we're going to focus in on the Saints offensive line with the help of Zach Streif today and Max Unger. We'll do that for you. And then on the NBA playoff side, uh, the Eastern Conference Finals begin tomorrow night between the Hawks and the Cavaliers. We're pleased to bring back the voice of the Atlanta Hawks, Steve Holman, to our show today. Help us preview that series. You already know about the West. You already know plenty about the Golden State Warriors, and it is the Warriors and the Rockets game one tonight, and it is also uh, NBA draft lottery night tonight. So it could be a big night for uh, the Knicks, the Sixers, the Lakers. I may be forgetting someone, but I think those are the three teams that may be the most um, – intriguing to watch the wolves are in the mix i think they're a little off the radar screen when you're stacking them up against the uh, the knicks the sixers and the lakers the lakers get interesting here because they have a top five protected pick if they do not land in the top five um, of the lottery then they will lose their pick and then only have i think the 27th pick from the jeremy Lin deal uh, so after that mess of a season uh, it is possible it's conceivable that their one pick in the first round would be at number 27. So keep an eye on that tonight as well. We'll take a quick break. Uh, Streep and Unger next. Steve Holman still to come. Stay with us. Don't want to miss out on any of the action? Get connected with your New Orleans Pelicans 24-7, 365. Like us on Facebook. And follow us on Twitter for exclusive prizes and giveaways. Plus, get texts with all the latest breaking news right on your phone with Pelican Mobile Alerts. Visit pelicans.com for information on these great features. Plus, sign up for Pelicans Insider with weekly updates from the Pelicans. Join the conversation today. All-Star Electric is lighting up the future with the latest in LED lighting. All-Star Electric specializes in the installation and conversion of the newest LED lighting products. This lasting investment is virtually maintenance-free and offers significant savings on your next electricity bill. This is Tim Blanchard, president of All-Star Electric. Let us evaluate your building, parking lot, or home for an LED conversion because we know we can save you some money. I'm Chip Chapman, here on the street asking people what they would do with a $40 million Powerball jackpot from the Louisiana Lottery. I'd fly to Italy to go shoe shopping with my girlfriends. I'd invest it, of course. I could double that money in no time. And you, sir. I'd buy me a vacation home on my own private island and a new sports car and a golden hot That's tub. That's quite enough from you, sir. Play Powerball at any Louisiana Lottery retailer. Starting jackpot, $40 million. Must be at least 21 to purchase. 
What's up, Black and Gold fans? This is Anthony Mackie, Seven Wars Soldier, Drew Brees' disciple. You are listening to the Black and Blue Report. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. And uh, again, we're at the Smoothie King Center studios today, just across the street from the Mercedes-Benz Superdome, where um, today uh, Ken Trahan and his group at the Saints Hall of Fame will be announcing the newest inductees to the New Orleans Saints Hall of Fame. And uh, congratulations again to Tyrone Hughes, Michael Lewis, and Doug Thornton all will be inducted later on this year. And uh, we're going to visit with them today and have that for you on tomorrow's Black and Blue Report. Yesterday was the Saints Hall of Fame um, golf tournament. And, uh, boy, a lot of great folks out there enjoying what turned out to be a spectacular day. They got all the golf in before the bad weather rolled through the metro area yesterday. So uh, that's good news. And uh, certainly there were two or three, maybe even four, intriguing interviews that you can find on NewOrleansSaints.com. I want to share two of them with you, though, uh, one of which is Zach Streif, uh, starting right tackle for the New Orleans Saints. He might, be, he might be one of my favorite Saints. He's certainly one of my favorites to interview. Uh, and this uh, little four or so minute piece will uh, kind of back that up or remind me of why I enjoy hearing from Zach, uh, basically whether it's in season or off season. Obviously, Streif and the other offensive linemen are the focus of a lot of attention this off season, namely because of Max Unger being brought in from the Seattle Seahawks, but also the Saints using their first draft pick to bring in Stanford tackle Andrew Pete. And that does directly impact Zach Streif. He was asked about it yesterday at the Saints Hall of Fame golf tournament. Here's Zach Streif with the media yesterday afternoon. Look, I've talked many times before, far before there was ever a tackle taken, that I felt very much like my role here was to play as well as I could for as long as I could and to pass down as much knowledge as I could to the next guy. And that has not changed at all. Um, I very much expect to be the right tackle for the Saints this year. I will do and prepare in that way. If that is the case, then I will pass down all the information and knowledge I can. If it isn't the case, I will pass down as much of the knowledge and information that I can. Um, you know, I know that this ride doesn't last forever. I never planned for it to. Um, at the same time, like I said, I'm preparing, you know, to be the starting right tackle. Um, and, and I'm excited to, to meet Andrus and to be able to share with him the information, you know, that's been passed on to me. So have, have you, um, has, has this thing kind of energized you? Does it, can the competition do that for you, Zach? I think so. I think anyone that's competitive, you know, you feel that way and you feel uh, the urge to, I don't know if it's step your game up, but you certainly are, are refocused and, and all those things. But, um, you know, th to be honest with you, the, the draft picks to me are never a personal indictment on any player. I think it's far more a who, who is the best guy that they see when they're picking. And if that guy's at your position, that guy's at your position. And it's, you know, look, like I said, I'm not playing for 20 years. That's Drew's thing. Drew's the I'm playing for 20 years guy. Um, I never expected that, you know. Uh, but, no, I don't, I don't feel personally attacked. I know that's come out with some guys of this feeling of, it's a shot on the guy individually. I don't feel like that. Um, and I still very much feel like it, like my role has, un, has, has not changed here. I think I'm still expected to be a leader, and I think I'm still expected to, to pass down as much as I can to these to the young guys. And, you know, Andrus is probably at the top of that list. Have they floated anything to you about maybe going inside or a position change? Or? No, no, nothing's been brought up to me um, with that. And, look, I think we have two really, really 
excellent guys waiting to battle it out for that job. And, uh, you know, Tim and, and Senio. And um, I would not expect that change from any of us. I really wouldn't. I think those guys are going to step up. And I think they're going to be really good players for us. Do you think that you had one of your best years last year? Um, I think really the last two years I've had probably my two best years as a you know as a saint and a lot of that's come with experience and, and I think a lot of that's come with the expectation of being voted a captain I think it's more is expected of you and I think if anything that's really motivated me more the last couple of years is not wanting to let guys down that have put faith in me so um, I do I mean and I think I'm playing good football and I think I'm healthy and all those things and yet look that stuff is it's not only not in my control it's really not not my concern you know my, my job is to is to come in in as good a shape I can and prepare and, and be a leader and you know the chips will fall where they do how about the learning curve for a guy in you had to go to get how big of a learning curve is it especially at that spot when you're where you're facing people who can really rush the passer yeah I mean you're basically even the guys that you face in college that are good players kind of pale in comparison you know so you kind of say, okay, you take the best guy you played in college, and then he's the backup that comes in for the guy that you have to block the whole game. It's kind of how it feels, you know. So it is. It's a jump, and um, and then I think that's why at the offensive line position, especially, it's very important to get that that know-how, that knowledge, that here's how you deal with this guy because it's something that you've never dealt with. And uh, I think what they're looking at with really both of those guys, with with Andrus and. Uh, with uh, Tehran is you have two guys with immense talent, tremendous, tremendous talent, and you can't coach talent. You can't coach size. They didn't teach Tehran to run a 4-7. They didn't teach Andrus to have the body type that he does, you know. Um, but there are other stuff, and, and the goal, you know, in the next couple of years is going to be to get those guys to a point where they're extremely comfortable to where they can use those talents that they have uh, to the best of their ability to be as good players as they can be. That's Ed Daniels, by the way. I think he asked the bulk of the questions, if not all of them. Ed Daniels from WGNO Sports. Uh, and you'll hear Ed uh, questioning Max Unger here in just a moment as well. Unger has not had a chance to speak a whole lot since becoming a member of the New Orleans Saints, but the media did catch up with Max yesterday before he teed off to play. Uh, when it, you know when this whole trade thing went down, uh, obviously it hit uh, you know two players, uh, me and Jimmy, uh, you know by surprise. But uh, again, you know we're uh, we're in good places. I mean, uh, I think that I you know I'm gonna have a great time down here. I like my teammates. Uh, I like I like the uh, direction we're going in on offense, and I think uh, we got a heck of an opportunity to throw a lot of points up on the board. So, what what was your impression of the Saints organization when you played against them? Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously a team with a lot of success. I mean. Uh, you know, they've, they, you know, coming off winning a Super Bowl a couple years ago, um, you know, great organization, really. Um, it's kind of the reputation that they have and, uh, you know, a team that wins a lot of games. So They took Pete in the first round. You know, how, how difficult do you think that adjustment is for a, a lineman? Oh, for, for a lineman, a rookie? Yeah. Uh, I've been there. Uh, it's a tough one. I mean, uh, there's definitely, um, uh, physically there's a learning curve and mentally um, they run a pretty uh, pretty similar pro style offense, you know, there at Stanford. So uh, I would expect him to be, uh, you know, a little quicker in picking the playbook up uh, than uh, some of the other people. But, um, you know, physically it looks like he, uh, he'll do a great job. You know, I uh, stopped by the rookie minicamp uh, and just, you know, saw some of those guys working out a little bit and uh, they look good. So. What was your impressions of some of those guys? Oh, they look good. I mean, I uh, have to see a little, get out in the field and uh, run around with them a little bit and uh, kind of figure it out a little bit more. But, uh, you know, it's a good start. Are you looking forward to managing this this heat? I know it's, <laughs> I know you've been warned about uh, that. That was like the first thing. Uh, right when I found out I was coming down here, I was like, well, it's going to be hot, so you'll have to uh, deal with that. But, uh, you know, we'll play in the dorm, and then, uh, you know, for training camp, we'll go up to West Virginia. So, uh, you know, 
it'll be uh, manageable. When something like this happens to you in your, in your profession, and you're comfortable and you're at a great place. Mm -hmm. you, does it does it come as even more of a shock, or do you think? No, I mean I'm I'm over all that. I mean uh, it's it's done with. Uh, you know, he, I'm here. I'm very happy about it, and uh, I'm just trying to move forward. We'll keep looking at that Saints offensive line. It's going to be a great storyline as we head toward training camp in late July. Mini camp obviously coming up in June. But uh, Streif and Unger both speaking yesterday. And, of course, Max Unger, all a part of that. Or, excuse me, of course, Andrews Pete also a big part of that story with Unger and Streif and then Teron Armstead and then the battle for the left guard position. Uh, that'll be fantastic. Streif mentioned a little bit of that with Lolito and Senio Calamente uh, in the mix there. So, big storyline. We'll keep an eye on it for you um, here as we go through the rest of the offseason and into training camp. NBA playoffs, the conference finals begin tonight on the Western Conference side. Tomorrow night, the East, Atlanta versus Cleveland. We'll talk with the voice of the Hawks, Steve Holman, right after this. In New Orleans, food is more than a passion, it's a tradition. And Zatarans has been part of that tradition for 125 years. From jambalaya and dirty rice to crab boil and more, Zatarans has been jazzing up dinner since before there was jazz. And we're excited about what next season might bring. Jazz it up tonight with Zatarans, proud sponsor of the New Orleans Pelicans. At Smoothie King, we're so much more than just fruit and a blender. Because each and every Smoothie King smoothie is blended for a purpose. Whether you want to make it one more mile or simply make it through the day, we have a smoothie just for that. Bring us your purpose and we'll blend it. Looking to purify your diet? Hurry in now and try our new nutty super grain vegan smoothie. Made with almond milk, Sun Warrior protein, super grains, and a peanut taste you'll go nutty for. Only at Smoothie King, proud supporter of the New Orleans Pelicans. Smoothies with a purpose. Do you have all the right moves to be a member of the hottest dance team in the NBA? The Pelicans dance team is having open auditions for their 2015-16 squad, and you are invited to try out. Join us on Saturday, June 13th at the New Orleans Pelicans practice facility on Airline Drive in Metairie. For more information on how you can be a part of the Pelicans dance team, visit pelicans.com today. We're talking NBA playoffs on the Black and Blue Report. Welcome back, NBA, as we promised. And uh, tomorrow night, the Eastern Conference Finals begin. The Atlanta Hawks are the home uh, team and the top seed going into this thing against the Cleveland Cavaliers. And uh, we welcome back to the Black and Blue Report the longtime voice of the Atlanta Hawks. That, of course, is Steve Holman. Steve, congratulations. Nice win against Washington. I can't wait to see what your guys do starting tomorrow night at home. Sean, thank you. It's, uh, it's always a pleasure, and it's an exciting time uh, here in Atlanta. People are, are, are very pumped up about this whole Eastern Conference final thing. You've run the gamut here over your years with the Hawks, uh, Steve. Rank this one amongst the other years that you've broadcast Hawks basketball. Well, I think it's right up at the top, only because, uh, you know, we've, we've gone someplace that uh, we've never gone before, you know, the Eastern Conference finals. Uh, you know, all the great years with Dominique and then the uh, uh, Steve Smith, Mookie Blaylock, the Kembe years, uh, uh, you know, those teams were all very good. All None of them went past the second round, however. So, uh, you know, this becomes really big now. It's kind of history here. The, the town is pumped. You've got, uh, people uh, around town are, are having flags on their cars. Uh, you know, like you see the uh, 
the Saints flags and the uh, you know LSU flags and the Alabama flags and Georgia flags. It's uh, it, it's really kind of fun to see. That's a that's a turn for you guys. But I, I would say though, with the success of the franchise the last couple of years, Steve, your building has become harder to play in. Uh, your tickets are harder to come by. Uh, this has been building though. This isn't all of a sudden an all you know out of nowhere thing for the Hawks fans. I don't think. No, they've been you know they've been very good. Uh, uh, you know the last couple of years they really have supported this team. They like the group. They like uh, they like Coach Bud. They like the way the whole system runs. Uh, and this year, I believe it was the last 24 or 25 regular season games were sold out, and then of course the playoffs. And and I really think our fans arrived uh, in Game Five of the Washington series. Uh, the Hawks were down uh, by nine points, five and a half to go in the game. They had gone 0 for nine from the field in that fourth quarter. It looked like they might be dead in the water at that point. And then all of a sudden, the crowd started to stand and cheer, and they kind of willed the Hawks to that victory on that last second shot by Al Horford. And the, and the impressive part of that was not only did they stand and cheer, they didn't leave. You mm-hmm. know, when you're down by nine and you haven't scored a basket in the fourth quarter, the tendency might be sometimes to say, oh, well, we gave it a good shot and then uh, get up and leave. But these, these people stayed, and, and, and they stayed after the game, continued to chant and cheer. and uh, It was amazing. It was a fun thing to see. If you don't mind me injecting you with a little truth season, uh, serum here, uh, Steve, um, when you go back to, let's just say right prior to training camp, with the off-season news that was swirling around your franchise and everything else, could you have envisioned you and I talking here about the Eastern Conference Finals involving the Hawks at this point? No, I, I think it was, you know, there was a lot of stuff happening then, but it, that's the great thing about our team is uh, the coach, Coach Bud and his staff got the guys together that night that it all happened. I think it was a Sunday night, mm-hmm. and they had a meeting. And they, they decided at that point they were going to play for themselves, they were going to play for this city, and they were going to go out and keep their head down and, and just play and, and play through everything that was going on and, and block out all the, all the noise and distractions. And, and they've been able to do it. I mean, they've had several other bumps in the road this year, too, that have come along, but they've been able to play through all of it. And, uh, and I think it's just the resolve of the coach and the, and the players that have, uh, has brought them here. It's been over a month, Steve, since the end of the regular season. A fantastic one for the Atlanta Hawks. How close are the Hawks playing to their regular season success now uh, in the playoffs as opposed to uh, the the bumps that you get inevitably during the playoffs? Well, I don't think we've seen that January Hawks yet Mm -hmm. uh, in the playoffs. Uh, They came close a couple of games to the closeout game in in Brooklyn. Uh, The the game six, they had flashes of that against Washington in the closeout game. Uh, But it hasn't reached that point yet where they were the, uh, you know, uh, 19 straight wins in the uh, undefeated January. Uh, there's been glimpses of it, but of course in the playoffs it all changes. And, and those two series against Brooklyn and Washington, they were kind of grimy, you know, in the mud, kind of grab, hold, clutch, that kind of thing. And, and I really think that that will be helpful for the Hawks as they go into this Eastern Conference Finals against Cleveland because I, I think that, you know, being through the battle that they've been through for these first two series i think it's going to really help them against the, the cavaliers where do you want to start the story tomorrow night how do you characterize this series or what what at least will be important in the first couple of games well i, I think you know we're going to see you know exactly how hurt kyrie irving is i mean they keep saying that he's he's all banked up but i, I don't you know he scored 25 points the other night against uh, <laughs> chicago so but i do think our, our guards are going to be key uh jeff teague and dennis schroeder the kid from germany who just turned 21 I mean, they are so quick, so fast. They, they, they make everything happen up and down the floor. And uh, Jeff Teague yesterday was talking about how this system uh, in the second year now is really 
has really started to suit him because that's his game. You know, he can run up and down and set things up. And when the Hawks scored their final two baskets against Washington the other night, it was typical Hawks basketball. He going down the lane and he finds Damari Carroll wide open two times in a row down the floor. So, you know, that was like the typical Hawks basketball from earlier in the year. So I, I think the guards are going to be really important in all of this. Uh, you know, no Kevin Love, but, you know, Tristan Thompson may be a better defender than, well, we know he's a better defender than Love was. So, uh, you know, Al Horford being able to get away from the basket is going to help out too, I think. And, uh, and we'll see what happens with Damari Carroll guarding LeBron. Uh, we do miss Tavo Cephalosha in this series probably more than, than any time that we've uh, missed him because he would have been the main guy, I think, on, on LeBron. That is a huge factor. Is um, w- Did you all see Cleveland after Tabo got hurt, and what was the adjustment? Or was it always Cephalosha on James in the regular season? Well, he was out the last time we played them because he he had hurt himself. Uh, He had a a calf strain that he missed 29 games. Right. And and he had just been coming back, and and he'd only been back a week or two when the other thing happened in New York. So uh, I don't think he played against Cleveland in that. But that was the only time we saw Cleveland with all of their changes. And the Hawks won, I think, by 10 or 11 points that game. But, you know, it's funny. uh, People talk about how Golden State uh, dominated Houston uh, 4-0 in the regular season, and how what a great factor that's going to be in this series, and it probably will be. But the Hawks were 3-1 and against the Cavaliers during the year, and, and everybody was at full strength. The Cavaliers were at that time. Uh, but it's funny, they disregard that, you know, and the, the narratives nationally about it. They say, well, that doesn't mean anything. But on the other hand, Golden State sweeping Houston means everything. So it's kind of a kind of a double standard, kind of funny to see, really. Yeah, but you ought to be used to that by now, right? I mean, come on. Oh, we are. <laughs> we are. But, you know, the great thing is, Sean, it, it bothers me, uh, you know, and our fans, I think, more than it does. Our players just kind of, you know, they, they insulate themselves from all of that. They don't they don't get involved in that. If they, you know, if they started listening to everything Stephen A. Smith said, they, you know, they'd go crazy. What should I read into Kyle Korver right now? Where is he and uh, what will he mean in this series? Well, I mean, the Hawks need him to have a, a good series. I mean, he really struggled against Washington. I mean, they made a big-time effort to keep the ball away from him. Uh, he had to work so hard just to even get any touches. And then when he did, he would force it. And uh, I think he knows that. He, he tried to force the issue a few times, and, and it didn't work for him. So uh, I think it's been good that he has a few days here you know, between the last series and this one to kind of clear his head. Uh, the coaches can – you know, work on ways to get him open. But uh, the Hawks certainly need him. I mean, they need him to make a few of those shots and, uh, you know, be back to the Kyle Corver he was or close to it during the season. Let me ask you this question. I may not ask it very well, but I hope that you'll follow along here. Um, the pressure of being the number one seed. I know you're getting a good giggle out of this. Uh, the pressure of being a number one seed, Steve, uh, does the fact that now the Hawks have reached the finals in the Eastern Conference um, take away that pressure of, any earlier exit would have been a tremendous disappointment. Do you kind of get past the expectation now or or that pressure to deliver on being the number one seed by reaching the conference finals? Yeah, I, I know exactly what you're talking about because okay. everybody in Atlanta is talking about, you know, if they don't at least make the Eastern Conference finals, the season will not be a success even with the 60 wins. So now they've made it. You know, they've reached that point. But all of the players have, have been saying right from that uh, on the plane ride home from Washington, uh, you know, we've got more work to do. We're not finished yet. And I really think it's a good thing for, for the Hawks right now is that nobody's considering them as any kind of a favorite. In fact, they're the underdog in the series against Cleveland, even though Hawks have home court. So uh, I think the Hawks are in a good place, you know, mentally going into this series. Good stuff. 
Hey, enjoy this. I, I know you are. Um, and I think that this is awfully special for you and uh, Nick and Bob and everybody else involved with those broadcasts for so long. Um, I, I, I'd love to hear uh, another visit with you coming up maybe as we get toward early June. Would that be all right with you? Well, that'd be great if we were still <laughs> still going. I go on with you every day, Sean. You know that'd be perfect. <laughs> we can keep playing. All right, we'll make it a date then. Thank you very much, Steve. Good luck. Thank you, Sean. Yep, Steve Holman, voice of the Atlanta Hawks, with us here on the Black and Blue Report. Last year, over four hundred thousand people from ninety countries and all fifty states came to Auctioner to find the critical care they needed. People who could have gone anywhere made Auctioner their destination for a level of expertise, clinical research, and treatment options they couldn't find anywhere else. Auctioner and our affiliated physicians are renowned for leading-edge cardiovascular care, cancer care, pediatric care, innovative treatment of neurological disorders, and more. Our outstanding transplant program has resulted in Auctioner leading the nation in successful liver transplants for years. And today, Auctioner is partnering with physicians and strong community hospitals throughout the Gulf South to bring access to the highest quality of care closer to home. Find the care you need today. Call 866-AUCTIONER for a same-day appointment. Auctioner, healthcare with peace of mind. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Hey, thanks again to Zach Streif and Max Unger for being a part of today's Black and Blue Report. Special thanks again to Ed Daniels. He asked, uh, if not all, most of the questions yesterday in the media scrum around those two guys. Um, and I want to give credit where credit's due. So thanks to Ed Daniels over there at WGNO Sports. Steve Holman was delightful as always. Uh, the voice of the Atlanta Hawks is uh, very excited about the Hawks' uh, appearance here in the Eastern Conference Finals, Game 1. Uh, tomorrow night against the Cavaliers. Enjoy the basketball tonight. I am anxious to see, anxious uh, to see um, whether or not Houston can hang with uh, that show out at Oracle Arena in Oakland. Um, I want to root for the Southwest Division, so I'm a little nervous about tonight's game because uh, it's going to set the tone, obviously, for the series. But at the same time, uh, if the Warriors keep winning, uh, doesn't that say something about the series with the Pelicans? I'm in all kinds of logic today. I'm, it's in kind of a weird mood for this Tuesday. Tomorrow on the Black and Blue Report, Saints Hall of Fame inductees are uh, scheduled to join us. Tyrone Hughes, Michael Lewis, Doug Thornton. It'll be a fun show tomorrow. Um, I think we have something else scheduled for tomorrow. Uh, we'll leave it as a surprise at this moment. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, everybody. And here from the Smoothie King Center in downtown New Orleans, for Daniel Salerson, I'm Sean Kelly. See you next time right here on the Black and Blue Report. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source. The Black and Blue Report. Do it, do it.